them up to Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. Oh, that's church. Amen. I, I don't like the three strikes and you're out rule with music. Amen. Three strikes and we're done, right? Come on now. See, listen, because I didn't even start to feel that breakthrough until really, well, the second to last song, I started to really feel it roll. Amen. Which shows you we can stop. <laughs> Come on. We, we, we need to press in to break through. Amen. The only way you can break through is pressing in. Even when it's uncomfortable to you. When it's uncomfortable to you. Amen. Revelation chapter 4. I hope you came spiritually hungry today and it appears you all have. Amen. Now, as I'm reading this, when I'm reading this, whenever you're reading the word, I want you to imagine it. I want you to see this in your imagination. Amen. Whenever you read the word, whenever you hear the word, you need to use your imagination. See it on the inside. Amen. Here we go. After these things, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately, I was in the Spirit. And behold, a throne sat in heaven, and one sat on the throne, and he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardis stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne. God owns the rainbow. Hello, somebody. Not the LGBTQ, ABCDEFG. Come on now, somebody. A rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were 24, uh, 24 thrones, And on the thrones I saw twenty-four elders sitting, clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their head. Now picture this. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which were the seven spirits of God. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature was like a calf. And the third living creature had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. And they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Have you ever just said that phrase before? When you just say that phrase over and over, you feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost, the presence of God. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. 
Hallelujah. There's power when the word is spoken. You know that, don't you? Me just speaking that opens the heavens up over this place right now. Amen? As I was in prayer this week, I kept hearing a phrase over and over in my spirit. And it was these words, come up higher. Come up higher. Immediately, Revelation 4 came to my remembrance. Our Heavenly Father is not only inviting us, but He is requiring us personally as a church, as the body of Christ around the world, to go higher spiritually. Amen? See, He is wanting us to disconnect our affections, disconnect our heart from the things in the natural realm that are hindering us from going higher with Him. You ever see a hot air balloon when they're, they're filling it up, right? They have bags that keep that thing on the ground. Well, many times in our life, we have bags that are holding us down. And if we would just let go of those bags, amen, we would start to go higher spiritually. So if we would come up higher with Him, we would walk and live in such a place of the miraculous and in the favor of God on this earth that would blow our natural mind. Too many Christians are settling for much less than what God has for them on this earth. you agree with that? So today, I want to talk about and teach on some points. Sit back, relax. The ushers will be around to hand out drinks and popcorn and all that. (laughs) Donuts. Come on, right? Right? No, wrong. I want to teach about some points that will help you to go higher spiritually in your Christian life. Are you ready? Now, last week I talked about how we are legally sons and daughters of God through faith in Jesus Christ. You remember that? Legally, okay? But that is separate from experiencing intimacy with Him. That's separate from having a friendship, a connection with Him experientially. And the thing that I talked about was a perfect example was marriage. You can be legally married but have a horrible relationship and no intimacy, right? Okay, so you got your legal side, you got your experiential side in a relationship. They are separate. Don't ever confuse the two. Amen. So in this message, I'm continuing to teach about the experiential side of our relationship with God. All right. So come up here, come up higher, come up hither is an invitation that was not just given to John to receive revelation, to write the book of Revelation. It's an invitation to every born-again Christian on the face of this earth. Amen? To press in for more revelation. See, you have a choice to make. You can be carnal. You can be worldly. You can be fleshly, right? And and that will lead to uh, you being led and bossed around by this natural realm, by the circumstances that this evil world system is just going to throw at you, right? Or you can be a spiritual Christian. Say spiritual. Which means you're going to live life with the perspective of heaven. Remember I talked about we are citizens of heaven. Amen? So 2 Peter 1, 1 through 1-4 talks about, I just mentioned it earlier, that we are partakers. We are to be partakers of the divine nature. Say divine nature. Through the exceedingly great and precious promises that are in the Word of God. Amen? See, people just read over that and just kind of glossy. I know, okay, well, that's nice language. No, no, God really means it. He wants you and I to live a supernatural life and not be affected, come on somebody, from the junk of this world. 
So I want to talk about key points that will help keep you mentally and spiritually armed to receive spiritual revelation and guidance from the Holy Ghost. Amen? Go to Colossians chapter 3. I want to teach and help you to live a life in the miraculous that's free from the junk and limitations in the natural realm. Say, I don't like the natural realm. The natural realm is boring. It really is. The natural realm is filled with limitations. It's boring. It will never satisfy you in life. You are a spirit being. You know that. So only spiritual things are really going to satisfy you in this life. Amen? Colossians 3, 1 through 3. I read it all the time. I love it. If then you were raised with Christ, if you're born again, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life, here's the key, your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, the first thing we need to do in the Word of God says, we need, when you're, you're born again, the first thing you need to do is seek the spiritual things. You need to seek things that are above. Say above. The second thing to do is this. Once you find those things above, it says set your mind on it. Lock in. Don't let it stray from those things that you're seeking above. Are you following me? All right. So set your mind on those things. Lock it. Say lock it. Your thought life on those things need to be locked in. See, when you start to wander from that, when you fail to lock in, that's when trouble comes into your life. That's when the junk comes into your life, all right? So don't allow your mind or thought life to stray from those things that are above. Don't allow your mind, here, listen to this, don't allow your mind to fall back to the lower level of the natural realm. Oh, you didn't hear me. Don't let your mind, don't let your thought life fall to the lower level of the natural realm. Don't allow your trust to be in the arm of flesh in this lower level that we call earth. Come on, somebody. Don't lower your standards. We lower our standards all the time, right? All right, what you focus on, here's, I'm going to drop some bombs on you here. What you focus on or magnify in your thought life will dominate your life. What you focus on, what you magnify will dictate your whole life. The next point in this passage is that we, the old man, listen, has died. We have died. Say died. And it says our life, because we have died to that sinful nature or should have, come on somebody. Our life is hidden with Christ in God. Go to Romans chapter 6 here. Romans chapter 6. Have you noticed every sermon that we do, every sermon that every minister does, that, that the Holy Spirit gives to every minister, you know what he's trying to do? He's trying to shift your thought life into the miraculous. Amen. That's what preaching needs to be doing. Amen? Romans six, ten through 14. For the death that he died, Jesus, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon, say reckon, yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. Why? Because a dead man can't sin. 
a dead man can't sin. Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Let not. Do not let. Do not let. Hmm, sounds like it's our responsibility there, doesn't it? So you can resurrect that old man. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust. It's sinful desires, it's saying. And do not, do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness uh, to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Why? Because it's your reasonable service. Remember we talked about that? Verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Many people say, well, I can go do what I want. I'm under grace. That's not what it's saying. Grace means you're overcoming sin, not allowed to sin. Are you following me? Now, here's what you need to know. The word reckon, may I feel fire of the Holy Ghost up here today. The word reckon means this, to consider. Say consider. We are to consider ourselves dead to sin, but alive unto God in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, a dead thing has no life. You're considering yourself dead to sin. Say, I'm dead to sin. The problem is this. Christians, many Christians, consider themselves alive unto sin, but dead unto God. Oh. Come on. Dead to spiritual things. Because they're more alive, connected to this earthly and natural realm. I want you to notice that This is all taking place. It says, reckon yourself, consider yourself. All of that takes place in the thought life. Say thought life. Your mind causes something to either live, come on, or die in your life. That's why people, to many people, the past, their past failures is alive to them. They're keeping it alive right here. Oh, it's past. They can never go back. They can never change it. But my goodness, they are living it right here. It's alive. You reckon yourself dead to sin or alive to sin right here in your thought life, in your soul, in your mind. Come on, somebody. That is the power of your thought life. See, many keep the past, like I said, they keep that past alive in their mind. But that thing lives or dies in your thought life. Oh, my goodness. So considering yourself dead unto sin, but alive unto God. Listen to this. You ready for this? Oh, we're going deeper now. Considering yourself dead unto sin, but alive unto God is this. It's an identity issue. Many Christians have an identity crisis. Oh, come on now. I cringe every time I see this phrase. I have heard some people say it before. Once an addict, always an addict. You ever hear that before? Once something, always something. That is so wrong. In that person's thought life, their identity is rooted in seeing themselves as an addict. You following me? Why? Because they're keeping the past alive right here. Some of y'all got to put to death your past right here today. And it will change your life forever. You need to start seeing yourself who you are through Jesus Christ. Amen? 
Or when a Christian refers to themselves as a sinner. No, stop that nonsense. You're a born-again child of the living and true God through the Lord Jesus Christ. You have been made the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. You understand that? You are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. The entire, in fact, the Holy Ghost said this to me. You ready for this? The Holy Spirit said this. The entire born-again experience and process is meant to give you and I a new identity. Oh, my goodness. That's what it's meant, to give us a new identity. Come on, we all did junk in the past. Amen. We all got junk in the trunk. Amen. We all been bad. Trust me. Oh, I could sit around a campfire and tell you some of the things I did when I was younger. Amen. But I won't. Those things are locked away. They're in a casket. They're buried. They're dead. See, that's why you got to let that die. You got to let your past die. Don't let it follow you around. Don't let it bring condemnation on you. Come on, somebody. So the entire born-again experience and process is meant to give us a new identity and to place us in Christ so we can be overcomers and live the supernatural life in the power, in the presence of the Holy Ghost. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Why do you think the enemy is constantly speaking in your mind? Why do you think people from your past are always co- condemning you and speaking things from your past? Because the enemy's trying to keep you in bondage to that old identity. And many Christians do a very good job of falling into that pit. You've got to recognize that's the enemy. That is not God heaping that on you. Come on, somebody. So if your identity is rooted in anything else other than in Christ you will not be able to go higher spiritually. That is a weight that's keeping you down. You will, here you go, ready for this? You will never rise above your thought life. You will never rise above your confession. Okay? You will constantly be stuck and entangled in the limitations of this messed up earthly and natural realm. So stop identifying yourself with anything on this earth or anything, here it is, that's not allowed in heaven. You're a citizen of heaven. Come on. Again, stop identifying yourself with anything on this earthly plane or anything that's not allowed in heaven. Okay? Here's the deal. You ready for this? Oh, this is getting good now. Oh, I'm just on page three. I got nine full pages. Get ready. Sit back. Just get ready. Take notes. Here we go. You will act out who you think you are in your mind. You will act out who you think you are in your thought life. That is why the Holy Spirit is always constantly trying to bring the Word of God to our remembrance. He's always trying to correct the identity crisis. Come on, somebody. He's always trying to do that. Now, the Word of God is so vital in the Christian life. If you're not reading and feeding on it daily, you're in deep trouble. Are you following me? You're in deep trouble. Your identity will be rooted in your past failures and weaknesses and whatever else the world and the devil throws your way. Now, the Word of God, listen to this. The Word of God is a filter. Say filter. That will keep your mind, your thought life clean and strong. Oh, I like that. 
Remember, the only, uh, only the Word of God, the exceeding great and precious promises in the Word of God and faith in Jesus Christ qualifies us to be partakers of that divine nature. Okay? And escape the corruption that's in the world through lust. That's what Second Peter says. Part of, the, part of the corruption, come on, part of the corruption on this earth is a false identity. See, when someone fails to understand who they are, that's when hopelessness—that's when hopelessness sets in. That's when people start to have suicidal thoughts. Come on, somebody! I'm speaking to someone in here today. The only way for us to really qualify for this movement to go up higher is to know and understand and consider yourself to be dead to sin, and our life is hidden with Christ in God. Amen. We must know our true spiritual identity. You got to put that past uh, away. You got to you got to bury it. Say I got to bury my past. All right. So because as a man or as a person thinks, the word of God says, so is he. So is she. If you don't know who you are or keep that fresh in your mind. See, here's the deal. You might know it, you might read it, but then you can walk away and forget it. That's why the Bible says, keep the word in front of you. Always keep it fresh in your thought life. Amen. You will never rise to that level of your true identity if you don't keep the word of God fresh. That's why I said you're in deep trouble if you're not feeding on the word of God. Amen. So many Christians, listen to this. Many Christians will never come up higher in their entire life because they don't know who they are in Christ. They, they have embraced a false identity. Say identity. Listen to this. The Holy Spirit spoke this to me. He said, if my people would understand that they are hidden in Christ and every time they pray, every time they minister to a person, whatever they're doing for the kingdom, they carry, listen to this, they carry and operate in the authority of Jesus. It is the same thing as if Jesus himself were doing it. Why? Because we're a part of the body of Christ. Jesus is the head and we are all the other parts. So when we minister, Jesus is ministering through us. We haven't taken hold of that. See, we're still at the stage of, oh, well, I can't do that. I can't do that. No, you've got to understand that we're connected to the head, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, so the Holy Spirit said, If you would understand that, healing, miracles, and the supernatural would break out in their life and ministry like never before. Because now you're keeping that connection with the Lord. You know it's the Lord working through you. Amen? Now, so a lack of, of knowing your identity hinders your faith to release the power of God. It hinders your faith to release the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You could say it like this. You ready? Faith releases Ignorance or a lack of knowledge restricts. Faith opens the nozzle. Ignorance closes it. Are you getting it? You getting it? So we need to know and understand who we are in Christ. We are citizens of heaven and we must possess. Remember I talked about having kingdom, a mindset of a kingdom culture, right? All right. So, now, listen, here's the deal. The Holy Spirit said this to me. I love this. He said, there is a place in the Christian walk where our physical body is living on this earth, but our spirit and soul reside or are connected to heaven. 
Oh, come on. Oh, listen. Mm, I just got to take a moment and chew on that one. Oh, there is a place in the Christian walk where our physical body is living on earth, but our spirit and soul are residing or connected. What, I, what do I mean by residing? It's connected to heaven. Yes. Come on, somebody. When that takes place, that's when you become a supernatural, miracle-working ambassador for Jesus Christ on this earth. Amen? When you don't know your identity in Christ, you will always settle for less. The lower plane, the limitations. Now, Jesus is our greatest example. Jesus maintained a heavenly mindset. I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, yeah, but that was Jesus. Yeah, but he was still a man, the God-man, but he was a man that limited himself to human restriction, but he was anointed with the Holy Spirit. Go to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. Jesus maintained a heavenly mindset. See, the Word says that He is our example. Amen? He did this. He, he kept that spiritual mindset by feeding on the Scriptures. Well, He had the Old Testament back then, right? He fed on the Scriptures, maintaining a powerful prayer life. He fasted, and He was being led by the Holy Ghost. Now look at Luke 6, chapter 12. I love this. You getting anything out of this? Wow, and I'm only on page 4. Here we go. Here we go. Luke 6, verse 12. It says, Now it came to pass in those days that he, Jesus, went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Say all night. All night. Jesus pulled an all-nighter in prayer. We can barely stand 30 minutes. Think about this now. And then we wonder why we're not walking in the power of God. Oh, come on, somebody. Oh, I'm preaching to myself too, y'all. Come on, somebody. Jesus went to a mountain to con and continued to pray all night. Jesus understand, he understood that he had to maintain, here it is, here's what it is, a heavenly connection with his heavenly Father to be effective on this earth. And, a pr and prayer is a huge part of that. Amen? Something happens in prayer. When we pray, something happens. Come on. The moment your mind or thought life disconnects from heaven, the flow of the anointing is cut off and you're no longer effective on this earth for the kingdom of God. I didn't say you weren't worth anything. I'm talking about the power of God flowing. I'm talking about you advancing the kingdom of God. You just got to make a few tweaks and you can be back in the flow. Come on, somebody. Amen. So here's what you got to know. Our soul or mind must stay connected to heaven. We will never be, listen to this. We will never be able to impact anyone spiritually unless we are in the spirit. What does that mean? Or spiritually minded. If you're going to be fleshly minded, all you're going to be, you're going to disappoint people. You're going to hurt people. You're going to do and say things that's just going to cause a wreck in your life. If we're going to do anything meaningful for the kingdom of God, we have to have a spiritual mindset. Everything we do in the Christian life that is impactful in the natural realm flows from a mindset that's connected to heaven. Come on, somebody. A spiritual mindset. Do you, you know that we are connectors between heaven and earth? Say, I am a connector. 
between heaven and earth. Now, really, though, when we're saying that, what part we can say that and it sounds all good, it sounds nice and cliche, right? But what, what do we really mean when we say we're a connector between heaven and earth? Really, this is what the Holy Spirit said. Really, what that means is that you're, you are connecting with your soul or thought life with things above. It's all about your thought life, people. I'm telling you right now, it's all about the one thing that connects us to heaven experientially on this earth is our thought life. Your thought life is spiritual. Remember I talked about in the past that your thought life connects to one of the two kingdoms in the, in the spirit realm, either the kingdom of God or the kingdom of darkness. That's your thought life. But if you're going to impact the natural realm, it's got to come through your physical body. You've got to say something. You've got to do something. Are you following me? But our thought life is spiritual. So to make a change, there, to make a change to something, there must be something different that's influencing that thing to change. You must go against the flow. Say, I've got to go against the flow. What do I mean by that? A Christian will never change the world by acting like the world. Oh, come on, somebody. Come on. All right? So all the seeker-sensitive stuff in the body of Christ is hogwash. Okay? A Christian will never change the natural realm by thinking or blending into the world or the natural realm. We are called as Christians to be world changers. Now, to be a world, to change the world, we need to start thinking heavenly thoughts. Because this world system is already thinking earthly thoughts and and fleshly thoughts and demonic thoughts, satanic thoughts. Are you following me? So the thing that's going to come against that flow is when you and I start thinking heavenly thoughts and acting how heaven would act right here on earth. Mm. Well, Pastor James, do, we, do you really have to get involved with the library thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're coming against the flow of that evil. Or else nothing is ever going to change. Amen? Now, go to Revelation 4 again. Revelation 4. You're never going to change the world by acting like the world. When Jesus hung out with sinners, uh, Jesus did not act like the sinner. Hello, somebody. He was with them to change the flow, to shift them to him. Amen? Revelation 4, 1 through 2. Yeah, but people aren't going to like me if I act different. Well, that's kind of the point, and Jesus warned us about it. Amen? But it's their eternity that's at stake. Are you following me? Okay, listen. After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing, standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must, must take place after this. Immediately, say immediately. immediately. I was in the Spirit. And behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. Now, I'm going to go deeper here. Say, go deeper. Listen. Here we go. So God gave an invitation to John to come up here. I don't know about you, but when I read that, I find that kind of odd. Why, why couldn't have God just brought him up himself without, any, without asking John? Oh, come on, somebody. I find this interesting. If God wanted John to come up here, 
or come up there. Couldn't have God just have done it himself without John's cooperation? The answer, the Holy Spirit said, no. Listen to me now. Where am I going with this? I said I'm going deeper, going deeper. The Holy Spirit said John had to be willing to come up here to receive the vision. John's will was involved. Now, here's where I'm going to go with this. May I feel the anointing hit me right now. I have heard many testimonies in the past throughout the years where God started to show a Christian something in the spirit. God was starting to do a supernatural encounter in that person's life. And that person started getting fearful and they said, God, no, I don't want it. And it stopped. In fact, Perry Stone, I just heard a testimony by him recently. If you follow Perry Stone, he had a testimony when he was younger that he was in this meeting and, and an angel came through a wall and was walking toward him. And he said, he just got fearful. He got so afraid. He said, God, I don't want to. And it stopped. And he never had that encounter. And he regrets it. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm talking about having heavenly encounter. See, see, many of you think the Christian life is boring. But that's dead religion telling you that. Amen. See, we serve a God that wants to give you supernatural experiences. Come on, somebody. You are a supernatural being. You are made in the image and likeness of God. Are you following me? So the Holy Spirit revealed to me that John was open and willing to receive the vision. And after God told him to come up here, I find it interesting. It said immediately John was in the spirit. So what you need to know, what I, you and I need to know, there must be a willingness on our part to receive from the Holy Spirit. Your will is involved. That's why the Word of God says that God, His eyes are going combing the whole earth looking for those who have faith. Looking for those who want to be used by Him. Because not every Christian wants a supernatural experience. Well, they're, they're fine with dead religion. Right? Punch the clock. Eh, we're good. Let's go back into this earthly realm. Let's go make our money that you're not going to be able to take with you. There is nothing like... I, I've had supernatural experiences in the past, and I'll talk about them at some time. But, they, I mean, I would never trade them. In fact, when I'm praying in here, I'm like, God, I want more supernatural experiences with you. See, some pastors will tell you, well, you can't pray for that. Why not? Who says? Oh, it's getting quiet in here. Pray radical prayers. Absolutely. God, show me an angel. Why not? Why not? Whenever I hear a pastor call those things spooky, I'm like, well, he doesn't have a clue. He doesn't have a clue. And he's shortening, he's hindering his people from going deeper in the realm of the Spirit. But this is revelation. This is after the cross. You look through, you know, Acts and on. Man, there's supernatural stuff happening all the time. God is still giving Christians supernatural experiences. Uh, We don't serve a dead God. Amen? So listen to this. So John, you want me to quit? Is, are we good to, oh, we got to make that lunch date. No, listen, here we go. Listen, John was taken up into heaven. In the spirit, listen, 
It says immediately he was in the spirit. So in the spirit means that he was totally aware of the spirit realm and separated from his natural senses in the natural realm. Oh, I'm going to go deeper. Are you ready? When you're in the spirit, you feel more alive than ever. When I've had those supernatural encounters in the glory and the presence of God, I'm telling you, you feel more alive than ever before. If you have a, a, a relative, a Christian that went home to be with the Lord, let me tell you right now, they're more alive than ever. <laughs> okay? When you're in the spirit, you feel more alive than ever. You are, here's what's going on. You're in the realm of the nothing is impossible. Now, so all of your spiritual senses, when you're in the spirit, I'm talking about, because many Christians don't know what it means, and that's what I'm here to teach you, amen? All of your spiritual senses are quickened. They're heightened, okay? You're, now, some of you are saying, what does that even mean? Well, press in and you'll find out, okay? But listen, when you are in the spirit, you almost feel like you're in a trance, Oh, some of y'all just turned it off. Some of y'all just turned it off. But what some of y'all don't know, the word trance is in the Bible. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to define that in a minute. Listen, so when you're in the Spirit, you're almost trance-like, where the natural realm around you feels like it's suspended or paused. You know, like you have your DVD player, you push pause. It just stops. If that, when you're in the spirit, you almost feel you're, you're numb to everything in the natural realm. Are you following me? And you're totally focused on the spirit realm. Now, here's what trance means. The, one of the definitions is this. A half-conscious state seemingly between sleeping and waking in which the ability to function voluntarily may be suspended. In the Old Testament... Uh, the word that's translated trance in the Old Testament is tardama, translated as deep sleep, okay? In the New Testament, it's the word, get this, ecstasis, where we get our word. Are you ready for this? Ecstasy. That, say ecstasy. No, I'm not talking about the drug. Listen to me now. There's an ecstasy. It's, that's why I said when you're in the Spirit, okay, you're pressing in so much and you break through into the Spirit, you break through your flesh, everything, all your spiritual senses are heightened. Yes. Oh, it's a beautiful thing. Go with me to Acts chapter 10. Let me show you a couple places where it talks about trances in the Bible. Some of you are like, my goodness, wow, wow. When's the last time you heard this at a pulpit about trances? Come on, somebody. Now, <laughs> all I'm saying is I never have, and I'm 45 years old. I wish someone would have taught me this when I was, amen. I want to know. I want to have supernatural encounters in the presence of God. Amen. He's a living God, not a dead God. Amen. Now, Acts 10, 10 through 11. Now, if someone is in here, you're hearing this and you're thinking, okay, this is weird. This is strange. You ready for this? You're too much in the flesh. Bam. You're too much in the flesh right now. I'm, why? Why? Because I'm talking about spiritual things. Yes. And it says your carnal man cannot receive spiritual things. So make the switch. Amen? Now, here we go. Okay, it says, 
I told you you're going to learn something at Living Waters Chapel. Amen. We're going deeper here. We're disciples of Christ. Amen. Listen. Then he became very hungry, Peter, and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into, underline it, a trance and saw heaven opened like an object, like a great sheet bound at the four corners, descending to him and let down on the earth. So Peter was up in, on top of this roof, and he was obviously praying. He was hungry, all right? Fasting state is an amazing state, by the way. And, he, and the Lord started to give him a vision. But he went into a, a trance to receive that vision. Now, go with me to Acts 22. It talks about trances again. Acts 22. I really believe that we here, the people of this church, we're go- because we're going deeper into the Word, because we're going deeper into spiritual things, I truly believe we're going to see the supernatural like never before. I really do. We're going to do it. Amen? Amen? Now listen to this. Acts 22, 17 through 21. Now it happened, when I returned to Jerusalem, Paul, and was praying in the temple, that I was in a trance and saw him saying to me, Jesus. He had a vision of Jesus in a trance. This is New Testament, people. Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. So I said, Lord, they know that in every synagogue... I imprison and beat those who believe on you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by consenting to his death and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Then he said to me, Depart, for I will send you far from here to the Gentiles. So Jesus, in a, in a vision, appears to Paul to give him some guidance. Okay? Now, listen to this. It is possible to fall into a spiritual trance when you are meditating on the Word of God and praying. Now, here's the common thread. Here's the common thread between both of those things, of, of meditating on the Word of God and praying. You want to know what the common thread is that puts you in that place to receive uh, a supernatural encounter? Both of those things, you're required to focus on God and His Word and the spirit realm. Focus is the common thread. Say focus. To go into a trance-like state in the spirit, you must be focusing on spiritual things. Now, here we go. The Holy Spirit spoke this to me. Many of my people, he said, are not staying connected to heaven by maintaining a spiritual mindset. And they are missing out on supernatural experiences. They are too focused on the natural realm and they cannot hear my voice. They are passing up my invitations to come up higher and receive more revelation. They are not positioning themselves to get in the Spirit, he said. Now, so we need to get to the place. Here's what the Holy Spirit showed me about prayer. Are you ready for this? We need to get to the place in our prayer life that when we pray, everything around us in the natural is suspended to the point that we're numb to it. Mm. 
Oh, I'm telling you right now. I'm giving a key right now. I'm giving a key to breakthrough. Are you getting this? Listen to me. We, let me say it again. We need to get to the place in our prayer life that when we pray, everything around us in the natural realm, all the feelings we're feeling about that negative thing we're worried about becomes numb to us. What gave you anxiety and fear before is not being felt when you take it to prayer. Why? Because you are focused or in a trance-like state that you're not even moved by those problems anymore because you took it to the Lord in prayer. Now go to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians Philippians chapter 4. You know what I'm talking about. We all know this. When we have something we're having anxiety about, we're fearful about, come on somebody, that we can pray a quick prayer and we walk away from it and we're the same we were before we prayed. It did absolutely nothing on the inside of us. You didn't pray long enough. Look at this. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. It says this. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We all know that scripture, don't we? But here's what we got to do. We must press in in, pra- in prayer until we get to that point that we are in breakthrough mode. <laughs> the problem is we don't pray long enough to get in breakthrough mode. We stay in the fleshly mode. Are you following me? We're still feeling those negative emotions. You haven't prayed enough. Now, the only way, listen to this. The only way, this says be anxious about nothing. Does it not? Does it say that? Now here's what you got to know. The only way not to be anxious about something. You ready for this? The Bible doesn't say it, but this is what it means. Stop focusing on that thing. (laughs) Right? Is that not common sense? The reason you're anxious and fearful about it because you're focused on it. So when God is giving this instruction to us, He's given it to us with this key. When you come to Him with prayer and thanksgiving, your focus has shifted from that thing that you're worried about on Him. Are you following me? Anybody here? Anybody here? That is why you will have the peace that passes all understanding. Because your focus shifted to God and His Word when you pray and when you start to give Him thanks for His promises to pull you out of that pit. So, listen, so we need to pray. You need to pray. I'll tell you, (laughs) we need to pray until the breakthrough comes. If you pray and you walk away from it with the same feelings you did before you prayed, you didn't pray long enough. You might have the faith, but you didn't pray long enough to break through the flesh. You didn't pray long enough to break through that anxiety. You didn't pray long enough, come on, to silence that unrenewed mind. You didn't pray long enough to let your spirit man be king over that thing. Oh, come on, somebody. Now go with me to Matthew chapter 7. So to go higher spiritually, there must be a spiritual hunger 
and there must be a desire for more. Oh, it's going to get better. How can that be, Pastor James? It's so good already. How can it be? Just hold on. (laughs) Well, that's prideful, isn't it? No, it's called humor. Laugh. Now, here we go. Now, if I was just preaching to myself, I'd be preaching myself happy right now. Here we go. Now, listen to this. Matthew 7, uh, 7 through 11. Listen, Listen to this. This is powerful. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things? Say good things. To those who ask him. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, I'm going back. Do you do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Now, so Jesus tells us, he tells us and invites us. He says to ask, seek, and knock. Say ask, seek, and knock. Now, those, those invitations are given not to tease us. Immediately, when I read that, the Holy Ghost said that. He goes, I'm not giving that just to tease people. He is giving us these things to expect an answer to come. Expect the request to be granted if you do those three things. So here's what you need to know. Ask, seek, and knock are levels of invitation and boldness. Ask, seek, and knock are levels of invitation and boldness. In the original Greek, they are all in the present tense. What does that mean? It means this, a continued petition. You keep doing it until you get what you want. Oh, come on, somebody. That's why I said if you walk away from a prayer and you feel the same way, you didn't pray to break through. So it's continued position. Don't give up. Keep pressing in until you get the breakthrough. Now, going higher spiritually is not just a one-time thing then. It is a continual pressing in. Amen? If you're going to go chop a tree down and you're just going to hit it one time and say, well, praise God, it's going to go down. Right? I mean, you'd have to be an idiot. Right? All right? No, you keep knocking until that thing falls. Now, here's, listen, oh, it's going deeper now. There must be a desire. There must be a desperation, a spiritual, a spiritual hunger for more. If the things of God are important to you, it's going to show by your time. Amen? And I'm sorry, I added that. No, I'm not sorry, but in finances. Oh, 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 you just shut me out. Oh. You still love me. Listen to this. 
I find it interesting that God showed a door to John in Revelation 4 here. And it says the door was open. John was pressing in for, this is what the Holy Spirit said. You ready for this? This is what the Holy Spirit shows. Things that are not said here, he expounds on it. I'm not changing the word. He expounds on the word. You understand that, right? He said this, John was pressing in for more in his walk with me. Are you following me? The Holy Spirit revealed to me that if you want more revelation, you must be active in all three levels. Ask, seek, and knock. But he said this, there's something special about knocking. The knocking stage for the door of revelation, for the windows to be open, is extremely important. Spiritually speaking, the Holy Ghost said, knocking, knocking, say knocking, is the highest form of boldness and focus. Why? Because you're standing right in front of that thing. I'm not leaving until I get what I'm coming for. Amen? So, it's the highest form of boldness and focus. You are positioning yourself in front of that, come on, heavenly door, and knocking until it opens for you. Before my breakthrough came, I called the church to 14 nights of prayer. The breakthrough didn't come until the 10th night. And I'll tell you right now, it got pretty boring. Trust me. The third, fourth, fifth night, I mean, I, I mean, it, I was like, okay, do we just stop this? I mean, it's getting real boring in here. Well, we're pressing in. So I could have given up and never had the breakthrough. Are you willing to do what it takes to hang in there and knock until the breakthrough comes? Until that supernatural experience takes place in your life? You're not going to stop until you get it. See, it is that kind of boldness that will open the door of revelation from heaven. The key points in this passage of asking, seeking, and knocking are boldness, persistence, and focus. Boldness, persistence, and focus. Man, I'm giving you like a PhD here from Rama. all these things I'm talking about. Come on, so in one sermon, I know it's a lot here, but I'm almost done. Stick with me. Almost done. Why persistence? The Holy Spirit said, why persistence? And he told me this. He said, it's not because God is holding it back from you. It's because there is spiritual resistance from the kingdom of darkness. The not, Remember when Daniel prayed? It said from the very first prayer, the angel was released to give revelation. But the 21 days of fasting and prayer were not to beg and twist God's arm. Oh, no, it was to press through the spiritual darkness that was holding the answer back. So the persistence is not God. The persistence is to break through the spirit of the kingdom of darkness. That's a whole, doesn't that shift your whole mindset? Because many Christians think they're trying to beg God. They're trying to beg God. So they go into it thinking, well, God doesn't really want to give it. But if I pray long enough, if I get hungry enough, maybe he'll give it to me. I'm going to go on a hunger strike, God, until you give it to me. Yeah, that was supposed to be funny. Now, so you're not begging and fighting God. It is God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, it says. 
If, if you that are evil know how to give, give good gifts to your children, how much more does your heavenly Father want to give it to you? So when you go in knocking, just know God wants, and it's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's his good pleasure to heal your physical body. Oh, it's his, come on somebody. It's his good pleasure to release heaven on earth. Amen? Now, so there are two kinds of faith. I want to I close on this. Yeah, I want to close on this. There are two kinds of faith that we can possess as Christians. There's personal faith and the gift of faith. Quickly, personal faith is an act of your free will. And the gift of faith is an act of the will of the Holy Ghost. They're separate. In other words, you need, you and I need to exercise and build up our own personal faith to receive the promises of God. But you do not have control of when the supernatural gift of faith comes upon you. Are you getting it? That is up to the Holy Spirit. However, there is something we can do to position ourselves in connection to the gift of faith. Now, I'm not going to read it for time's sake, but 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11, talks about the nine spiritual manifestations or gifts of the Holy Spirit, and one of those is the gift of faith. See, God doesn't want us to be ignorant or lacking about the gifts of the Spirit. By the way, to qualify for the gifts of the Spirit in your life, you've got to receive the Holy Spirit baptism. Jesus did not do one miracle. He did not operate in one spiritual gift until the Holy Spirit came upon him. He came up out of the water and the Holy Spirit came upon him. Boom! Start of his miracle ministry. So you need the Holy Ghost baptism. So Jesus did not do one of those things until the Holy Ghost baptism. Now, I asked God, I said, why must we be baptized in the Holy Spirit before we operate in the gifts of the Spirit? And he said this, because a Christian that receives the Holy Spirit baptism is hungry for the deeper things of God. And they are expressing a deeper level of humility by receiving the Holy Spirit baptism. And I am the rewarder of those who diligently seek me. Just a little nugget there. So we see here that the gift of faith is listed as a supernatural spiritual gift. I want you to notice a major difference here between personal faith and the gift of faith. Personal faith is primarily for your personal benefit. The gift of faith is for someone else's. You catch that? All the gifts of the Spirit are for someone else. Now, So spiritual gifts, it says, are given to each person to profit all. Are you following me? Now, 1 Corinthians 14 tells us, 1 Corinthians 14, 1 tells us to pursue love and to desire spiritual gifts. So we cannot control the will of the Holy Spirit to uh, when he manifests the gifts. But what we can do is qualify ourselves to be used in that gift by doing two things. Pursuing love and having a desire for the gift of faith. Are you following me? So you, there needs to be, you need to pursue love and you need to have a desire for the gifts of the Spirit to flow through you. Uh, you need both things to qualify for that. Not one can be missing, right? You can have a desire for it, but if you're not walking to love, the Holy Spirit says, yeah, I don't want to use you. You can walk in love and have no desire. Yeah, I'm going to go with the one that really desires it. Come on, somebody. So um, the last thing that I want to talk about here is that to go higher spiritually, that you need to have a personal, uh, you need to personally praise and worship God. There's a reason why the word raise is in the word praise. Amen? 
Praise is a magnifying God spiritually, mentally, and verbally. So because of that focus, it connects us with heaven. You are seeking and setting your mind on things above. But worship is obedience to God, and worship is more of mentally based. Worship, it's, it's, it's in your thought life, and that causes you to be obedient to God. Amen? So church... Our Heavenly Father is giving us an invitation to come up higher. Don't be satisfied. I'm telling you, don't be satisfied where you are right now because there's so much more. Amen? Amen. Let's keep pursuing Him with our whole heart. And when we do that, that heavenly door is going to be open. And we will walk in the miraculous and the supernatural like never before. Amen? Let's stand up in this place. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Now... If there's anybody in here you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, prayer team, come on forward. If there's someone in here you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, today is the day of salvation. Do not leave this place without making Jesus Lord of your life. Again, guess what? It's your eternity, but we care and love enough about you to want to see you go to heaven one day. Amen? Amen. And avoid hell and the lake of fire for eternity. And you don't know when you're going to take your last breath. Maybe there's someone in here you need to rededicate your life. You've fallen away and you really feel out of balance in your relationship with the Lord. All right. If you want to rededicate your life, come up here and pray with one of the prayer team members. If you want the Holy Spirit baptism, come on up. We'll pray with you to receive the Holy Spirit baptism. Very easy. As easy as it is for you to get saved, it's as easy for you to get baptized in the Holy Ghost. Amen. If you need a healing or anything else, prayer for anybody, you come on up. We'll stay as long as you need. Um, Don't forget, the healing service this Saturday at 7 p.m. right here. You never know what the Holy Ghost is going to do, but I know it's going to be good. Amen. So invite family and friends. Let's pack this place out and watch the Holy Spirit do His work. That's all what it's about. We're giving Him an opportunity, opportunity to minister to people. That's what we're doing. Amen. All right, I love you all. Thank you so much. Have a great week. If you need me, you know where to find me. God bless you all.